You're listening to the 90-10 rule, 90% business, 10% music. Today on the 90-10 rule, our guest is 40. He's a Billboard and Grammy Award winning manager and producer. And today we discuss how violence in the industry impacts your business, middlemen, and his new venture with artist Cameron Corvey. But first, this. Take a seat, bitch. Take a seat, bitch. Uh, I wrote the fire, smoked the fire. You joke the yeah. lie, I fought the fire, but I coached down. That's the sad part. You can have anything that you have for. Regular speed, living in fat for it. You die, the old nigga. What is all the cat for? They want me to Breathe. calm down. I can't cause I'm knee deep. What happened to activists? What happened to free speech? You out on the front steps, I'm out on the front line. A lot of has no mind. They get niggas dumb time for dumb crimes. No sunshine. Rhyme with the iron. Keep an eye out for one time. Streets that's run down from big rigs. We stock of stores that really don't nobody up in the community on. Back and forth from community homes. Trying not to end up in the funeral home. Met a bitch I used to hit with the bone Almost didn't recognize her, she look 80 years old Left out the hood, came back and realized it either get worse or it end up gentrified Thinking how much they suck out of the hood each year Is it capitalism or genocide? I'm talking to you, you with the Bluetooth speaker The Louis V sneakers, the polo white beaters, the Gucci ice dreamers What would happen if all that revenue stayed in the hood? The outcome would be incredible But we could do it all that, do you have a clue? But it goes to the elite instead of you. Bands preach, bands teach. Everybody get about your damn seat. Work. That was Scotty ATL and B.O.B. with We Got Tricked right here on the 9010 Rule. But real talk, I do have a way in which we can um we can curb gun violence. And I honestly think that um if we made it so you had to buy your ammunition. From the police departments and the precincts, I think that would cut it down a lot. Cause I don't, I don't know, I don't know too many criminals or convicts it's going to the precinct to buy ammunition. And then I also think that each bullet should be registered to the individual that buys it. Because what that does is it puts accountability out there. Mm-hmm. So now you can't borrow any of my bullets because right. I don't know what you're getting ready to go get yourself into. So now if you're right, because my name on them shits. My name on the bullets. So if you're selling the bullets. You can buy guns anyway because our constitutional rights said you have the right to bear arms. Right. But as far as that ammunition, if you have to go to the precincts to buy the ammunition. Like each, it, each bullet has a barcode. Now, don't get me wrong. Now, there are going to be some people out there making their own bullets. Okay, cool. But it's just like cigarettes. You don't, I've never seen a guy make 20 cigarettes. At that point, he's going to go to the store and buy a pack. Right. So you might get your one recreational. And all I'm saying is to curb it, not stop it. It'll just curb it. It'll cut it down tremendously. What do you think? 
I think that's a good idea. I think that's a really good idea. But at some point, though, there are going to be the underground black market guys who have the ability to. You know what produce. those bullets are going to go for? If you if if you know that if I want a bullet and I can't go to that precinct to get a bullet, right? You right. know I got to go in my pocket to pay for it, right? I mean, but people are doing that now for the you know for the for fully the automatic. Absolutely. Weapons. So, but what I'm saying is, I never once said we can eliminate right violence. I just said we can curb it because I can go to Walmart right now and buy bullets with no ID. Yeah. I can't buy the gun, but hell, if I got the if I already got the gun, all I need is the bullets. And there are lots of stores that sell right. bullets. Exactly. Yeah. So, but if I can't get them anywhere except for the precinct or the fire department or places of that magnitude, now the black market is five hundred dollars a bullet. How many extra five hundred dollars do you have? Well, let me ask you this first. How do you feel about owning a weapon? I think it's cool. Like I don't have a problem with it. I think if everybody had a weapon, that's that's another way to get rid of gun violence. Cause I'm not gonna run up on you knowing that you got one. When I run, it's like when people break in your house. The only people breaking your house is people that have been in your house. Because I'm not going to take a chance going in there and ain't shit in there idea, I want. Right. Or having right. I don't know, I don't know how to there. navigate in here. Buddy just sitting on the couch waiting for me. Nah, I'm not going in your house. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, okay, what about you? How do you feel about owning a, a, a weapon? I don't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't know that everyone should have one. Like, I don't think everyone should have a car. Some people don't need to drive. Right. And some people don't need to shoot. Right. You can't I mean, control I your emotions. You. you can't control yourself. Uh, yo, I agree with you. You don't necessarily but at, need But that. at the same time, I think, I, you know, I, I think everybody should have the right to be yeah. armed. Yeah. yeah. You, you absolutely have the right to defend yourself at any given time. But don't get me wrong. Like your life is in danger. At the same time, you, you have the, I feel like you should have the right to bear arms, but I also feel like you should also be able to forfeit your right to bear arms. And what that means is, if you if you're using something like I tell my friends, use me, just don't misuse me. Right. Like if I have if I have something that you can use, I'm not using it, or I can be of help to you. Come get it from me. But when you start constantly coming to me and you're not ever giving anything back and you're not adding to this pot, then you're misusing me. Right. So right. like I think if you everyone should be able to have a gun, but at the same time, if you're out there shooting people for no reason, then you should forfeit your right to carry an arm. You know what I mean, and that could, but that also could be abused. I think you know, based on what I mean, you know, we have we have um, judges in in who's a judge in Pennsylvania that was arrested for like a hundred and something false imprisonment. You, you remember that guy? <laughs> right, right. right, it was basically like the the school to prison pipeline. <laughs> right, and one right. guy, and it was like all the way set up from the from the prison all the way to him. They did a paper trail all the way through. Right, I mean, you know that that kind of stuff does happen. But I do like the idea. I think that's a good idea to put accountability on each individual bullet. Because then it, it, you know, I think Chris Rock had a joke saying if they raise the price of bullets. Right. We're not going to waste no bullets. <laughs> right. Bullets cost and too and much. it's kind of the same thing, putting that accountability on each individual bullet as opposed to. Once there's the accountability, then you have, you have responsibility. It's almost like if I can figure out a way to trick the system and just get one gun, now I'm, I'm a loose cannon. Right. But, but if they, I got to trick the system every time to get a bullet, now it's a, it's a whole other ball game. Right. And you know what's crazy is that's completely plausible and it's something that could be put into action right now. That was a big word. You just, you know, you got 16 college credits. You got <laughs> hey, to be easy here. My bad, man. Oh, I read a book. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> syllable, big word. I'm just saying, though, like, because for even right now with what they're doing with marijuana, man. Like when they grow, they have to put a barcode on the plant that they grow but do you to understand, tell you, do you like, understand what about all that's their about, inventory. Though? So if they can do that shit with plants, why can't they do it with bullets? It's not that they can't. You have to understand why why the government does the things that they do. It's like when prohibition was around. Liquor, alcohol, whatever you want to call it, it was illegal until they figured out how to make money on it. 
True. They figured out how to tax it. That's what, every time you crack a bottle and you get that little seal, that's a tax. So once they figured out how to how to make money off it, guess what? It's legal now. And they're just figuring it out with weed. They figured it out with cigarettes. And every state has their own tax on the on the um, pack of cigarettes. That's why it's illegal to transport them from state to state. So once they figure out how to tax it, then guess what? It's not as bad for you. There's a ton of people listening right now that have no idea that it's illegal to take a pack of cigarettes. It's illegal to take a pack of cigarettes state across state lines. Well, it's not illegal to take. It's illegal to sell it's it. A, it's, state, illegal, right? it's illegal. To, no, it's illegal to have a certain amount. Oh, wow. You can't even travel with a certain amount. So you Because think, think about it. I, I can go. I can well, who's going to enforce that? I mean, those it's like it's Yo, a, I've never been pulled over and, and smelled, and, and they bring dogs for but, tobacco. But but they will. Like what I'm saying is, just like it's a lot of laws out here we break every day. We don't know. It's illegal to have shit hanging from your mirror in your car. Yeah. It's illegal to drink while you're driving. You know what I'm saying? Not liquor, but just anything. Those it's a it's a lot of laws that they don't enforce. But if you're traveling across state line and you got, let's just say, for instance, the limit is three cartons, and you got twenty five cartons. And they're saying, they're saying, they're saying, I know you're not getting ready to smoke 25 cartons. You didn't just buy 25 cartons to hold you over for the year. No, At I'm some point, you're trafficking. Pepper. You dig what I'm saying? So if they <laughs> wanted to, they could be asses and pull you over and, and, and give you the business. But they little stuff like that, they generally let pass. So listeners, today we're talking about some of the violence and the, um, the negative parts in the industry. And we just happened to jump into that conversation. We're here with producer extraordinaire 40. <laughs> Oh, yeah, my I man, yo, this, this is the godfather right here, man. He taught me a lot, man. We got him in the house, man, and we just started chatting and turned record on, man, because some of the points we were making were just it were ringing true to a lot of the things that happen out in these studios that you guys are visiting. So talk a little, Forty, talk in your studio sessions. Tell me a little bit about the, the, the way you kind of curb some of that, that nonsense. How do you curb nonsense in your sessions? Okay, well, first of all, all my studio sessions are boring. Let's just put it to you. Let's just be straight. <laughs> we have our sessions in the middle of the day. Like I said, I just um, I had a session yesterday with Noel Gordon. Um, now, you should be familiar. He had a big record a couple of years ago called By the River. Uh, we started at 10 o'clock in the morning. 5 o'clock, we were finished. So we figure all the hoodlums are up at, at around 9 at night. So they're, they're definitely not getting up early to come terrorize us. They just you know what I'm saying? But, but you know what? I got that idea from, um, I want to say Russell Simmons. Russell told me one day, because I asked Russell, I was like, yo, why do you why do you have all your parties on Tuesdays and Wednesdays in the middle of the week? He was like, yo, because the niggas who who gonna be fucking shit up gotta go to work. Right. So they're not coming, they're not coming to the parties during the weekday. They gotta be to work the next day. You have a party on the weekend, anybody can show up. Right. So this is it's it's just another way on how you filter out who's gonna be there and who can't be there. So yeah, we 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 don't we don't have any. Unfortunately, if you ever get to work with me, unfortunately, we don't have a lot of groupies. Actually, any. We don't have any. And I'm not just saying that because someone's home listening. We have nobody in there with us. It's just us and the artists. But you would have to get a better product, it seems like, at the end of the day. The product is great. The product is great. We don't have Yes Men. I tell, like, I, I did a session with um, this, real big, this real big rap group out here a couple of months ago. And uh, they had a real big record out. Actually, they still playing the record on the radio. And they came with cameramen and assistants. Three of them came with drivers. And I politely sent all of them out. It's like, <laughs> this is not working, bro. We, y'all can't even sit in the lobby. Trying to do the fame. See, like, Two of them had girls. I was like, bro, we came right. to work. I said, I said, how many of y'all ever had real jobs? A couple of them raised hands. I said, yo, but all these niggas with you to work? You don't take all these people to work when you got a regular job. We, look, even though we have fun here, we not doing that. We, I, we came I, in here to work. 
I can only I can only imagine the manager. What is the manager saying when he's got to he's got to fight through all these distractions? Let me to explain get... something to you about how this this new age thing works. You understand? I came up in in the old school era. The managers today want to be the artists, so they they they're welcoming all of that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You got managers over here chasing the women instead of taking care of the business, and that's why a lot of the artists are suffering. Yeah, because the the manager is really doing what Suge Knight said and being all up in the videos and all over the place. At the time when he said it, it wasn't as relevant as it is now. Right. Like it was got, just one guy. It was just right. one guy. He was pointing and picking at. But now you got the manager trying to figure out how he can be the star. Like, right. dude, go do the paperwork. Go get the stuff together. Make sure that when they leave here, they got someone else, someplace else to go. Right. Right. Manager right now want to be the star. Now the manager be doing all kind of crazy things with the budget and on Instagram more than you. <laughs> For real. Nah, I mean, I've I've seen. Hey, I've I mean, seen I instances. Ain't no names, but you know, I've seen instances where you know, where the manager has gotten a little out of hand, and you know, wanted to be an artist. But but you also got to be mindful. Like a lot of managers, like I, I manage an artist, so like I get it. A lot of managers are living their their wanted lifestyle vicariously through their artists. You know what I'm saying? Like I get it. A lot of managers used to be artists. In they used some to be artists, but didn't quite make it. Right. So now they're living vicariously. Through their artists that they're managing, and they still want to get that that fame. Like the artists that I manage, I tell them all the time, "Bro, you give me your hands full. Right. Like everything you're doing right now, I've done it on a major level, and I've seen it happen. I know how it's going to turn out for you. Good luck." So then, how do you guys feel about violence in the records? Where, uh, do, y- where do y'all stand on that? I hate it. I hate it, and that's why I don't work with too many rappers. And I know it sounds crazy, but you know, like I've paid my dues in this game, and and um, like with rap music, you know, I think rap is the only genre of music where you can have no accolades or any accomplishments and swear that you're the greatest and the best to ever do it. You know what I mean? It's like that game of, y'all ever played the game Operation? Yep. Right. Imagine if you cleared a whole board and never light the nose up, mean, never make a mistake, and then say, all right. I'm ready to go commit surgery now. Who right. the hell want me to do a liver transplant? <laughs> like, you, you haven't done anything yet. And it's it, and it, it's just it's just complicated. Now, as far as the violence in the music, I think in order to change it, you have to first, you know, in order to change the mindset of people, you have to change what you expose them to. You know what I mean? So, like, the violence in the music bleeds off into the streets. Because let's go back, and I'm about to tell my age a little bit, but let's go back about 20 years. 20 years ago, when you had um, Tribe Called Quest, De La Soul, Public Enemy, uh, the um, the uh, native, the whole Native, native Tongue Club, right, yeah. Native Tongue Click, they made us want to go to school. Yeah. Like the HBCUs are winning because Bill Cosby. Right. People don't realize he made people want to go to black colleges. Yeah, different world. With- and it's the reason why they're attacking him as well. You understand right. what I'm saying? Like, they understand, like, please know, they give just enough of us enough money to do it, to make everyone else think that they can do it and slow us down as a whole. Okay, you know what? Uh, let's just say Lil Wayne, and I like Lil Wayne. They say, well, you know what? We're going to give him $100 million. He goes and tattoos his body up, his face up, and all that other stuff. So guess what? The up-and-coming rapper, he decides, you know what? I'm just as nice as Lil Wayne. So he goes and tattoos his body up before he makes it. Well, guess <laughs> what? He never makes it. But he looks like Lil Wayne. He looks like Lil Wayne, but now 10 years later... He's already eliminated himself from the workforce because nobody's mm. going to hire you mm. to represent their brand looking like that. 
I actually had a meeting one time with um, Fa- uh, not Fabo. I can't remember the guy's name now. Um, who was Soldier Boy's guy? Who was with him? The other guy that was with Soldier Boy a lot. Do you guys remember that guy? No. Damn. Now you see what I'm saying? Right. I had a meeting with that guy, and he had a tattoo all down the side of his face. What is he gonna do with his life? And no, no, nobody can guess his he, name right now. He can't work for me. Period. Because I can't have you representing a brand that it took me 20 years to build. Right. Looking crazy. Because you got to understand, one thing about corporate America and when it, when it comes to this rap music is they already don't want to work with us. They work with us because they have to, because right. we are, we're, we're earners. We generate money. And music is in every facet of life. I don't care what it is you're doing, it's going to be music involved. You go to right. a basketball game, they're not playing damn Bon Jovi. Right. They're playing hip hop. Yeah. And that's the only reason they work with us. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and they control it all. And I think the illusion also is that corporate America means you put on a suit and go into an office in a cubicle. Corporate America is McDonald's. Right. That's a corporation. That's Man. a corporation. So you can't even work at McDonald's with a whole bunch of face tattoos. This is, can't. This, how, how can I put you anywhere but in the very back? It's as, as, as far never, as you're going, you're you never going to make it to Shakes. It's the Shakes up front. You're never, <laughs> you're never coming up there, buddy. You're in the back. What about you, Kay? What do you Washing think about- Washing lettuce. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. What do you think about the violence in the actual records? Man, well, I feel like the the violence that you talk about in your music, man, tells people who you are. And so, in especially to small town America, you become the personification of the violence that you talk about. So now when you come to my town, I want to see if the theory is it's true. Real, right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. right, cuz you're 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 the all-powerful Wizard of Oz, and I've heard so much about you, and so now that I get to meet you, I'm testing myself against the legend, right? And so, yeah, when when a lot of these artists are talking that gunplay, then they go to these small towns, it's dudes there that's trying to test them. Because now now I'm trying to be the legend. I want to be the man around here. You ain't necessarily got nothing to do with it. Let me tell you something. That happened to me before, and... uh, (laughs) It was I want to say it was like 1988 or something like that. Um, I was in North Carolina because my you know I used to live in North Carolina. We had a show out there and the Almighty Rizzo it came to town. I don't know if you guys know who that is, but that's Benzino. It's been a minute though. It's Benzino and his right. group. When I first met Ray, you know, like we're good friends now, but when I first met him, we was popping shit. He was about to put that thing in me. I didn't know, but you understand what I'm saying. But he was like, "Yo," I spoke to him not too long ago. He's like, "Yo, that was the first time I ever been out of town." He was, we wasn't having that shit. Right? They was ready, but we didn't know we was in that small town just popping off, thinking that that was the thing to do. But yeah, found out quick that wasn't it. Right? It was definitely not it. Yeah, and and it's more of them than it is of you. Like you realize real quick. Like it, it's cool to to feel like. You the man because everybody paid to come see you and there's so many people that screaming your name or singing your song or whatever, right? But you still have to keep in mind that you don't know your way around town. You're alone out here. Whoever you got with you is all you got. You don't have family. You don't have cousins you could call. It's you and them. And if they want to let you out of here. I just wish we could just take music back to the point where it has substance in it. You know what I'm saying? Whereas it wasn't always about... Like, Run, you got to understand, Run DMC made a complete record about their damn sneakers, dude. Right. Mm-hmm. LL made a song about his radio. You understand what I'm saying? Like, I challenge every rapper out here today to make a record. One, when you're not talking about how much money you got, what kind of car you got, and how many people you kill. I just like to hear what that record was going to sound like. 
it's probably going to just be a breath of silence. Yeah, I, I know. I know a lot of, especially Atlanta. And you know what's sad because I feel shout like out the, to J Cole. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I feel like Atlanta is like, man, we're we're really in the middle of the bad stuff. A lot of times, like uh, the artists we have here, just I don't know what happened and what made it this way, but it seems like the the artists that you're talking about happen to be from here or happen to be doing music here. Well, I think I mean there's definitely a lot of artists here who do that type of thing. That I mean that trap music or whatever, but there's a ton of artists that don't do that too. And so I can't like I can't say that they don't deserve shine. Like right. I, I think there's a if when you when I talk about artists that you think of that you know from Atlanta, like there's a string of artists that would be along the Andre three thousand kind of lane, right. and I think that there's a string of artists that's along the Gucci Mane kind of lane. You okay. know what I'm saying? So they're they're polar opposites, but we all exist in the same area. Well, you you know what, Kev, and this and this is this is what I say when you're making music. It's two ways you can make it. You can even make it for yourself or you can make it to make a living. If you're making it to make a living, then you need to do what's winning. How many trap artists were nominated for Grammys this year? Like, I'm in it strictly for the business. Like, this is my day job. How many trap artists was up for Grammys this year? It's a reason why Kendrick Lamar walked away with all of that stuff that he walked away with. Mm-hmm. You dig what I'm saying? You have, to, you have to wake up and realize, I can be the man in the hood or I can be the man around, you know, in the world. You dig what I'm saying? Kendrick right. is straight right now. And you can sit here and have the best, like Fetty Wap. He isn't he? Did he didn't win anything, did he? Not that I'm aware of. Come on, man! Like you got you but got Trinidad to, James did, but he won for Bruno Mars, right? Right. Okay. For writing, but but he did all he did. I mean, Bruno Bruno just used his melody. Right. You dig what I'm saying? And he he got paid off it. Don't get me wrong, because he was messed up not too long ago. He got paid off it. But at, at the end of the day, what I'm saying is, you have to wake up and realize that you're only going to get so far. Making trap music. Well, I'm gonna say this, man. Like, I think let's make real records with substance. I, I think that they make the people that make trap music make it because because there is something to sell with it, right? Like, there is an audience for it. People like ratchet shit, man. Like, yeah, don't feel bad. But, but listen, no, hold on, listen. Hold on. they don't. People like ratchet shit. I hate to say it because I'm a conscious artist, and but I feel you. Like I, shit. I feel you for that. But here's here's my point. Like, like I also say, mixtape was the worst thing that ever happened in the music industry. And it's only our genre that does mixtapes. You'll never see a country western artist put out a mixtape. You'll never see Aerosmith put out a mixtape. Because my thing is, I meet you at a Walmart, you give me a mixtape for $3. Or if not, you're going to give me mine free. It's got 30 songs on it. Then you want to turn right around and sell me 10 songs for $16. At that point, I'm already, I'm burnt out on you. I'm not even interested. And you've devalued your brand by having so much material out there. Do away with the mixtape. People want your material, make them pay for it. All the way down to concerts. You'll never see Kiss go on tour without his band. You'll never see damn Garth Brooks go out without his band. Yet they make us go out to damn track dates. Now, matter of fact, let me say this too, because the violence that's in the music also affects your tour money. Absolutely. Like, you can't get insurance get for that. Nobody's, right. nobody's doing that. You can't get insurance. You become a liability. It's certain places that you can or can't go, so you, on you and so forth. need more security for this night. Right. Dude, your insurance triples. Then do you understand what it costs to get insurance for a Coliseum venue? Or people don't even want to host your show they're just because. They're, they're not taking it. Right. They're not taking it. The responsibility, the risk factor alone is enough to make me say it's not worth the reward, the potential reward. You think it's bad enough I got to pay you $100,000 to come do a 45-minute set. Now I got to go pay another sixty. 
just to make sure that you don't tear shit up and people don't come shoot the place up. Right. At that point, I'm not even interested in you at that point. I'll just go do something else. I'll go do an old school, an old school concert and get a bunch of the old guys from the 90s and, and sell tickets and roses to the old ladies. And you know what? That's exactly what's been happening, though. Absolutely. Uh, they're, like, that's why you're seeing these last couple years in Absolutely. particular, you've been seeing more old school shows. I, I'm, you've been I'm, seeing a lot of them acts from the 80s and 90s. People are nervous when it comes to this day's cultural with, as far as rap music goes. I'd be nervous, too, if I was a promoter. I couldn't sleep, wondering if I'm going to get my money back. I wouldn't do a rap you, show. I, you couldn't pay me to do it. I don't even want to do it. You couldn't, I won't even go to a rap show. I do. I'm not going. I don't. I, I, hey, you know, I mean, well, I go to certain rap shows. I don't go to everything. I'll go, I'll go see somebody like Nas. I'll go to one of his kind. I'll go to a Kendrick show. Yeah. But as far as going to one of these shows in the hood, dude, I'm just going to miss that artist. I got a 14-year-old kid I got to make it home to. And and when you have but see when you have kids you have you look at things differently. At the end of the day, I just want to make it home. <laughs> well, no, I, yeah. I don't know about that forty. A lot of these guys Man. got kids. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. But it's a difference in being the father and being the dad. I'm Correct. just saying. I'm Correct. saying. Yeah. At the end of the day, I want to make it home. Right. You dig what I'm saying? I ain't, I ain't trying to go out here and get caught up in y'all shit. Y'all out here shooting people, and you closing your eyes when you shoot. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. Right. <laughs> I want to be a part of that. Yeah, that's real. That's absolutely real. And I, I I hate that there is this, there is that culture that like every year I I hate hearing it. I hate hearing the speech. Yes, another senseless violence, so on and so forth. I mean, we we we're still hearing that stuff to this day. And yeah, I get it. But uh, damn, ain't y'all tired of that shit? You gotta change what you expose them to, man. I keep telling everybody if you want to change the mindset of people. You have to change what you expose them to. But you also got to take into consideration this. And I'm not going to beat him up. I'm going to look at his thing logically. Like, I'm 43 years old. So I honestly believe that if not my generation, the one that came directly after me was the last generation of, of, of children that were raised. These kids today, they just grow up. Parents working because, like, you know, back then you didn't need two incomes. You could make it on one. It'd be tight, but you could make it. But it was always somebody to guide the kid. The kids today, they come home, they do what they want to do. The parents, they exhausted. Just do whatever you got to do. Just don't hurt yourself. If a Band-Aid can't fix it, don't do it. Right. You dig what I'm saying? They just throw them in front of the TV. They're not spending that quality time with these kids no more. Kids becoming desensitized to death. They see on, on TV, the cartoons are different. I'm sitting here watching TV at four years old. My favorite actor, he dies on one show, and 10 minutes later, he's on another show. You know, that's a, that's, a lot to, that's a lot to bring in. You dig what I'm saying? For a kid, so death has become desensitized. They don't get it. They don't get it. They're not being raised. They're just growing the fuck up. And that's a big difference. Yeah, and it speaks in the music as well. Yeah. There's not a lot to talk about. So There's nothing to talk, talk about. about. The same five things. And then you got to think. Let, let's, let's just listen to the music. Guys now make music for other guys. You dig what I'm saying? You go to a club. Any, you can go to a club right now and you're going to see a bunch of niggas dancing around each other. Right. When I was coming up, dude, we was making records for women. How can I get this chick home? Right. You understand what I'm right. saying? Now they don't do that anymore. Like, go listen to Lenny Williams. That motherfucker said, I, I watched television. The television went off. <laughs> Me and my old lady, we cried. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Well, maybe you've never been in love the way I've been in love. Right. These chicks today don't know what they need to find in love. Yeah. If, the, if their dad is not in the house, that means they don't really have an example. They can't turn to the music because the music is saying, fuck the bitches and fuck the hoes. So they don't know how to... You, how can you blame a woman today for not knowing how to fall in love? She doesn't have the example. She doesn't have the song to go pull up and say, well, this is what it's supposed to feel like. What's giving her butterflies? Or well, ain't no Nothing. artist... It, 
like, well, who are the popular artists that are singing about love? They're out there. It's just that they're. You got to understand that the. Label, I mean, because it ain't. It's not a lot of money in treat your woman right. It's, it's a lot of as money. as far as from the business. Like the business makes money on on getting you it's, to that it's, club. It's a lot. Of, it's concert, a lot. It's a lot of money alcohol, in it. Selling the merch, all that, right? It's a lot of money in it. It's just that we don't support it. So if we're not support, it's like if you got a store and you're selling jeans and you're selling t-shirts, the jeans are flying off the shelves. And instead of you saying, well, you know, I'm going to just cut my, my losses and, and, and start selling more jeans, you over here getting flyers made up, posters made up, trying to move these T-shirts. Damn them T-shirts. Just keep selling jeans. And that's what the labels are doing. Because we, as a, as a culture, don't support each other and don't support the black music. You dig what I'm saying? It's a reason why Adele is selling millions of records. Because she's a trusted brand. It's like Pepsi. When you go buy a Pepsi, you know what it's going to taste like before you crack it. Right? So when I buy an Adele album, I already know it's quality material. I'm going to get my money's worth. I paid $12. She gave me 16 songs, so I done saved $4 because I was going to download all 16 of them, and that's going to cost me 16 So now I done won. I got this record. You buy an R&B record today, buy an artist, you don't know what the fuck you're getting. Because one, they, all they really want is the budget. And then they just want to hit the road. They don't really care about the quality. And ask yourself, and be true to yourself. How many times have you bought a record from a group or an artist and only had one good record on the album? Shout out Bunch to, of times. Shout out, shout out to Master P. I think that was the beginning of that. Yeah, $16 is hard to come I, by. I hate. See, man, I, I want to rate. I, I like Master P, man. I like Master just, P, too. Just I think what he did. business-wise, But I hate that he He give did. you one song on an he album. Yeah, man. He did, dude. And it's not every just group, him. Every group, every group with No Limit, too. Like, yeah. He give you one song on an album. And then it doesn't help the fact that he got unqualified people working in these positions at these labels. Sorry, you, Percy. You dig, you dig what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm, Speak I'm, on that a little bit more. Man, listen, you trying to get me jumped outside of here. You got to say no names. <laughs> you got to say no names. But, 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 but truthfully, with all due respect, you know, I, and I don't have a problem with nepotism, but at the same time, I think the best man should get the job the way they did it at Motown in the old days. You know, if I write a song and it's a smash, let me get that. It doesn't have to go to your homeboy because you manage your homeboy. Or you got, you know, you got people like back in the days, you couldn't, be an executive and manage a damn artist. You eating too many times off this project. Right. So Double it, dipping. Right. That's like a conflict of interest. You dig what I'm saying? Now it's like, you know what? But ain't no rules. Ain't no ain't no HR department to complain it, it, to. There is an HR the department. Industry. They just don't give a fuck about our brand. That's the part you're missing. Yeah. Our culture's the only one that do that shit. I know several groups right now that are signed to a label that also manages them, that also has the in-house attorney, attorney that works with them. So who you think the attorney's going to be loyal to? You who's, who's recouping a fucking $75,000 budget at 15 cent a record? Or the label who just paid him for the next four months? And then the manager who's supposed to protect you or be your liaison between right. you and the label. He works for the label. the label. So. Right. That's the point. And, that's, and all of that contributes to the downfall in... The lack of quality control in our profession. Shit, you get you eating five times. You don't give a fuck what the record sound like. You just ready to push it out, and if you got to drop them, drop them, and do it again with somebody else. But you know what? I think because artists always have a, a role that they're responsible to in, in this situation. Like, That's the I know people want to say, "Oh, the artists don't know," or you just need to show up and sing, and you know, do that kind of thing, but. Yo, if you're not paying attention to what's going on, if you're not aware, like even regarding the quality, a lot of these artists that be sending me demos, especially on, on Blaze Track or something like that, 
they a lot of these records are not mixed, and they don't know the difference. Shout out to Marcus and Corey, my partners who own Blaze Track. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. No, but um, you know what, man, that whole thing is just crazy. How 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 they got it set up, man. You know, I just think the lack of quality control. You know, we we have to just take it back. When, you know, when shit get drastic, you just gotta go back to the basics. And our music suffers because there's no quality control. We got wrong people in the office. Cause, it, like, like I tell everybody, it's a big difference in running a business and running a hustle. And unfortunately, yeah. the music industry has become a hustle. Well, especially for us, ours, yeah, our, our, our music industry right. has become a hustle. You don't have to have any damn talent. You can go ahead and get rich. But before we move on, I do want to say that if you do want to send me something unmixed on Blaze Track, feel free. I, I don't. I'm not like Kev. I'm not bougie. If you want, <laughs> don't send me no, nothing. No, I don't want to. You know what? Nothing. No, let me let me say this then. I guess because I'm gonna tell you to mix since it you, since you made me bougie now, and then send it back again after it's mixed. Right. <laughs> but no, like I want to. I know that they don't have the. A lot of them don't have the ear. A lot of them don't have nobody else to bounce it off of. A lot of them are just doing the best that they can. But you and, and I don't knock nobody from that. But. I'd be doing them a disservice if I didn't tell them right. from a professional standpoint. Like you sent me, you sent me your shit because you wanted me to hear it and I, give you I my professional, professional critique. So why would I not even acknowledge that and let you put your shit out there and look stupid? Well, like, like and I'm supposed to be the professional that look bad on me, right? <laughs> I was just laughing because I'm sitting here thinking, like I know a lot of times you'll hear artists say the record label gave me complete control. On this album If you ever hear artists tell you I'm telling y'all You mark my words If you ever hear artists tell you This is my best album Because the label gave me Complete, total, creative control Do not buy that album Because the label did not hire that artist To make damn decisions he, They hired him because he can sing And normally what winds up happening is they When they get to the point when they do that, it's, it's been a lot of friction between the label and the artist. They've been going back and forth. So the label says, you know what? I'm going to let you go out here and fall on your face. So once you fall on your face, you're going to come back and you're going to do everything I tell you. So they say, go ahead. We're going to chalk this one up. We're going to go out here. We're going to let you put this bullshit-ass album together and it's going to flop. And then you're going to tuck your tail and you're going to come back and you're going to be a, you're gonna be a uh, fucking obedient, puppet again. Yeah. Right. You're going to be obedient. You're not going to want to buck the system no more because when you had your shot, you sold 42 records. So that's that's exactly what that means. So if you ever hear somebody say that, don't buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Would so, you Would you agree with me? No, I definitely would agree with you. Yeah. So okay. So then, how do y'all feel about the the gatekeepers, the tastemakers? Where what happened to them? Because I think that was the key thing that got you from being just a regular singing on the block type dude to being a guy that's in somebody's office trying to get a deal. The, the gatekeeper want to be famous now. Same thing then. The gatekeeper now is the homeboy. You dig what I'm saying? Like right. Like yo, dude, you gotta have to understand. Let, 20 years ago, you never knew who the fuck the A&R was. You sent your tape. Do you know how many tapes I had to listen to and I threw away? And put in milk carts, milk milk crates, and had to log them and all that shit? Like, nobody knew who I was. Hey, but you know what? I, f I feel like the game has changed where it, it almost requires some of that. Like, I've seen certain, well, certain artists will post pictures with their manager or their booking agent or something like that and be like, yo, for shows... Hit up so and so and and then tag them right. You don't because, have to do that. I mean, I've been in situations where where people are are sitting up fake deals. Man, listen, if you're hot, you don't have to tell nobody how to get in touch with you. People know how to reach you. 
Yeah, but they still lose money in your name. Like when Drake came out, how many how many people were doing fake Drake shows and fake Nicki shows and, and losing all types of money behind that because they didn't know who to talk to I mean, or was sending I, money to the wrong people. But then at the end of the that's day, that's like that's a form of of uh, control. But, but, but that goes that control. goes back to the hustle. Like if you're sending money to the wrong person, then this is not where you need you to don't be. Know, if you don't know how to send money to right. someone, you don't need to be in this business. This is not for you. You understand what I'm saying? And that's the problem. The, the damn industry has become oversaturated. And, and not only in the process of it becoming oversaturated, you got the wrong people working. If you sit here and tell me you can raise send me $75,000 because you want it, and that's your deposit on Drake, and, and I haven't given you any damn inkling that I actually have Drake, I'm going to take your seventy five. Man, because seventy five ain't nowhere near the pot. But, 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 but I'm just saying in general, but and even, you know, even in the earlier days, like, like you said, if you send me some money for an artist and you haven't, you haven't verified me yet, right. I'm going right. to keep that money. You, that's just going to be your loss. Man, you 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 understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. you got to do your homework, and and that's part, and that falls on 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 the person who's doing the booking. Do you you got to have your shit together? Yeah, but that's but that's why I say like people putting that information on social media as this is my point of contact is their way of of trying to mitigate some of that drama. I got you. But I don't, I don't think that's what, where we was talking. We was talking about the gatekeepers. Yeah. Like, the booking agents, it's cool. Like, if you got a, if you're a booking agent, you should have a website. You know, gatekeeper right. You should have your artists on your website. Person. Yeah. You dig what I'm saying? If you, you don't have a website, then why are we even talking about doing any yeah. kind of business? And you know why I hate that word, middleman? Because I think that that's been abused. It has been death. abused. I think Atlanta, and I think Atlanta is the king of the middleman. Man, everybody, everybody trying to get in some kind of well, way, man, it, and it's they, not even they're their forcing their way. It's not even their fault. I feel like there's a couple of places you can go for music. Well, there are three places you can go for music in, in, in the U.S., New York, L.A., and Nashville if it's country. Right. Somewhere along the way, though, Atlanta got popping in the, in the urban in the urban area. Shout out to Jermaine right. Dupree putting Atlanta on yeah, the Yeah, yeah. All the <laughs> Dallas, Austin, Jermaine Dupree, all those guys, you know, the, the um, uh, LaFace imprint. Right, right. that was huge. The, the that label that was here. Like, there was a lot going on. There was a lot buzzing, but there weren't any real headquartered things happening here. So what happened was, I think the labels wanted somebody in this area, and that's when the the, the middleman kind of rose up. It was the A&R consultant as opposed to the A&R. You know, it was a guy who knew the guy who knew the guy. And so Atlanta kind of became the breeding ground for this. I'm not quite really connected, but I'm connected enough to help you get something if you'll give me a little bit of money to do so. Right. Yeah, Atlanta is the only place where, well, I, I say as far as the I'm thinking about Miami, but yeah, Atlanta is the place where for urban music it connected. Right. Like it, it didn't connect the same type of way in Nashville or right. in uh, in Memphis or you know some of these other areas. Right, Atlanta it, it it popped. But the issue though was that it became something that started getting abused. So I don't even like the word middleman because right. middleman get on my nerves. Have a real title, whatever it is that you do. Don't say middleman. Say find something else to say, right. or else I don't really want to work with you. Yeah, like what is your what is your talent? I have that is that is weird though. There's a lot of I have heard people refer to themselves as middleman. Like <laughs> I was funny. saying it as like as a general term, right. but now that I think about it, yeah, like there was somebody that was like I'm I'm Mister Middleman or some shit. You know, everybody want to be the dot connector, right? I connect dots. I'm but the what, plug, but what the do you actually the do God, for the plug? The, the right, but what do you actually plug. do other than just if you're gonna connect me with him? Why? I'm I'm almost almost saying like you know hey just do it on the strength then, yeah, I know pe- you want to get paid and everything but just do it on the strength then if that's what it is you know maybe you'll come up just from being the guy that's helping people get connected as opposed to charging a premium 
I don't know. I mean, that, you know, I mean, that just you know, upsets I, me. I don't, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with the middleman if he's qualified. Right. I have a problem then, yeah. with the middleman when you just somebody's homeboy. You know what I mean? Right. You somebody's home. You the middleman's homeboy. So now that's when it starts to get bad. Now, if, if you're qualified and you say, look, I'm going to go take you over here and I'm going to actually, it's like a producer. What a lot of people don't realize, you can be a producer and not touch any instruments. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? So a middleman can technically produce the project. Like, he can take it over there and facilitate it. Right. If you're going to facilitate it and you're going to show up and you're going to get your hands dirty, right. then you earn your check. Oh, yeah. If you get your hands dirty, but that's you what I'm talking about. Check. Originally, I think the Somebody, middlemen that were here were the guys who got their they hands dirty. They got their hands dirty. They went right. out and they, they networked they, at events. They right. met people. And, 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 and that's my point. Facilitated. And, and, yeah. and, and that's my point. Like, like sometimes, like, I have a couple of writers and producers that I work with and, that I, and I shop their material. And I tell them, listen, the part that you don't see is when you're finished with this particular record and I'm shopping this bitch for six months. You understand what I'm saying? So when it comes in, I don't, I don't just need to eat that little bit. I need to eat my share. Right. Because while you, when you forgot about the record, I was still working the record. Right. That's called getting your hands dirty. Just me going over here introducing you to somebody who's going to drive you to the gas station so you can meet his partner and his homeboys who really know so-and-so. Right. You're going to take this little bit of bread and leave me alone. <laughs> exactly. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it just depends on the the magnitude and how much work that middleman is going to put in. So, like, right. I, you know, you know how it goes. So, first, the um, artist development disappeared. Now, the gatekeepers disappeared. How, how do you deal with uh, artist development in your camp? Fortunately, fortunately for me, like, the artist that I have now was a blessing. He was actually a gift. His name is Cameron Corvey. He was a gift, like. He came already seasoned. You know, I didn't have to do too much with him. I just, you know, just a little guidance here and there and put him in front of the right people. And, you know, it was, it was, it was he's a blessing. He's, he's a gift. I don't usually like working with new artists. I just don't. It begins to be a headache because it's like, it's, it turns into being a big ass babysitting job right. because everybody comes wanting to be there before they have to work. You dig what I'm saying? You can't just show up there. You want to take shortcuts. Well, the fucking shortcut is usually the longest way if you think about it. So, you know, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, makes sense. Hey, 40, since you brought up, matter of fact, talk to us a little bit about what you're doing with Cameron, man. Right now, I'm You man- got time? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Right now, I'm managing Cameron Corbett. I'm his manager. We actually, it, like, it, it started off, oh, I, I'll say more so like a partner. We're like a partnership. It started off as a management thing, and then it just started developing and I took a strong liking into him and vice versa and he got some good shit getting ready to happen like I'm not at liberty to really discuss it but 2016 is gonna be a it's gonna be a great year for last year he was on the ballot for two Grammys and I can already say this year is better it is better that's awesome man like this record that he just did he just did a record and he gonna kill me but I don't care he just did a record with an icon like when I woke up to that fucking picture, <laughs> woo! <laughs> it's huge. It is huge. He getting ready to kill him. It's gonna be dope, man. I can't wait because he's been well. He, he's been waiting. He's been waiting in the cut. And see, that's dope, man. Like I came to see him because uh, matter of fact, you was there this weekend. Yeah, you saw yeah. Because we played this music on the on the show before, and so I had to come see him live. And it seemed like do his thing. It was yo, like he's a real deal. I tell you, he just did a record with an icon. It's crazy. We both know, but tell the listeners what genre or what type of music Cameron does. Alternative R and B. Yep, and and you know it's um the the record that we played I think was nothing at all. 
Yeah, that's right. a dope record. It is a dope record. He was singing the falls. He had the the natural going. It was it's a dope record. It looked really really big. Everything looks really huge. So I'm I'm excited about how much bigger it can get this year. If you're excited, man, listen. <laughs> I mean, y'all should see this dude face, man, like, you know, <laughs> and grinning like a chess cat. I I can't even. Man, I just wish I could just tell you who he just did this damn record with. But when I tell you this record is gonna be huge. Just off the name alone wow. is nuts. And the dude really, really wanted to do the record with him. He was like, I got to have this record. It doesn't get no bigger than that shit. It's nothing better than someone courting you wanting to do some work with you. It's one thing for you to go ask somebody to do a record. It's something else for a legend, an icon, a fucking... Someone who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame come to you. I mean, really in the Rock and Roll right. Hall of Fame come to you and be like, I would love to do this record with you. That's amazing. Hey, but you know what? Because see... What y'all don't know, like, 40 was one of the guys that was there, like, when I showed up to the studio to intern on the very first day. Like, this is one of the guys. And so, like, this ain't your first time. This wouldn't be your first time working with some legends. Nah, I got I got my own, but this one is big. This one is almost as big as mine, but this one is this one is damn sure huge. This is huge. Mm. Huge. When we get out there, I'll show you a picture, but this one is huge. Man, I remember all them signatures you used to have. I still got that picture uh, on my uh, wall? Your wall in your office that yeah. we had all them. Yo, this dude. I used to have a wall where people would come in and sign my wall. I got, you know where I got that from? I got that from when we went to the Arsenio Hall show. I saw, I saw Arsenio do it. In the back, he would have people sign his wall. So I was like, you know what? One day I'm going to have me in office. And I'm going to have everybody sign my wall. I had some good signatures on that wall, too. I should have. If I was smart, I would have put up a, a board. And had them sign the board so when I leave I could take my board with me. Well, Forty, let's go ahead and, and play uh one of the one of the newer records, man. Like play Cam's me, record. Yeah, let me give me I'm it, not here for me, man. Play Cam's record. Yeah, let's play some more Cam, man, you, and then we come it. back and, you and gotta leave it like and that. Roll. Talk a little bit about the record that we're about to hear. All right, check this out. All right, so Cam, he did this record called Leave It Like That, right? And we've shot a lot of videos. And uh, this is just a testimony to the new guys coming up. It's you know, it's all about your cinematography here. Because this video literally cost us less than $400. Ooh. And we've spent thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on videos before. But this video has been on BET, VH1. It's got the most press. You know, we shot it in Amsterdam. But the mere fact that we only spent 220 euros on this damn video, when we spent them 220 euros on makeup for other videos, it just says a lot. So... If you get a chance, pull it up. It's called Leave It Like That by Cameron Corvey. It's on YouTube. I will play it right now.
That's a dope record, man. I'm I'm really excited about this next year for you guys. Any any parting words for us? Words of wisdom from Forty. Um, yeah, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the up and coming producer musician some some words of wisdom. Here it is. Here it is. You do not have to be the best. You just have to be available. The job doesn't always go to the best person. It goes to those who's available. So if you're a musician, you play a guitar. If you're an engineer, find you a studio and go up there every day and just sit in the lobby. One day somebody is going to need you and they're going to come get you. And like, let's just say, for instance, you're a guitar player. I don't have all day to wait for Slash to get here. Get your little ass in here and get me a couple riffs. You dig what I'm saying? Next thing yeah. you know, you got a job. It's just that simple. So Showing up. Just, and being on time. The job goes to whoever's available, not, yeah. not the best. Mm-hmm. That's just how it is. Word. Well, yo, do you want to, uh, how can the people get in touch with you? You can find me on any social media network as Mr. Music. That's M-I-S-T-E-R-M-U-S-I-K. Word. Yo, thank you again for coming through, 40, man. Appreciate your time. If if you're single and you're looking for a husband, you can call me. (laughs) (laughs) Swipe left. (laughs) Swipe left. Yeah, swipe left. Swipe left. All right, y'all, 40 on the 9010 rule. Visit us at the9010rule.com. That's 9010rule.com.